the highest percentage of my sales comes from email marketing, but the highest percentage of my traffic comes from Instagram. We want to believe that the free platform, social media, whichever one we choose is going to be like the thing that makes our business boom. And it can make it boom, but not like in the way that we typically want, which is sales. Hi, Offscripters. It's your host, Sewa Ajay Pele, and welcome to episode 180 of the She's Offscript podcast. This is a show where we hear and learn from women who've created unique blueprints for their business success. My hope is that you'll hear their stories and translate their gems into a unique path for yourself. After two of the corporate retail businesses she worked for went out of business, today's guest Jan Charte decided she was no longer going to work for anyone else. She took her 12 years of retail experience and decided to start an e-commerce business called Brazen Boutique. Five years later, she now runs a seven-figure business and has taught over 500 women how to launch and grow their own e-commerce boutiques. In this episode, Jan shares how she went from being unsure what to even stock in her boutique to now having 10 and 20K sales days. During our conversation, she shares with us some common mistakes new boutique owners make. She tells us the best places to find inventory, the best tools to use, marketing strategies that actually work today, and so much more. So let me ask you a question before we hear the rest of Jan's story. Have you left us a review? See, reviewing our show on Apple Podcasts will help us rise in the ranks and help others like you discover our show. Please pause this episode and take a minute to leave a review so resources like those Jans is sharing today can continue to help women launch their own off-script journeys. With that, let's go off-script with the CEO of Brazen Boutique and the Boutique Academy, Jans Chartay. Jan Charte, welcome to She's Off Script. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here finally. <laughs> same here, same here. So for anyone who hasn't come across you online, could you share who you are and what you do? Of course. So I am an online boutique owner. I own an online boutique called Brazen. And I'm also an e-commerce coach at the Boutique Academy, where I coach other e-commerce brands on how to launch and grow their own online businesses. So how did you get into the e-commerce space? Very much on accident. Um, I was working in retail. I worked in retail for a little over 10 years. And the last two jobs that I had went out of business. I literally never thought that I would ever be an entrepreneur. I never had the desire or even thought to start a business. And I started a YouTube channel where I was just sharing like all these things that I learned working for different corporations so then when that last job went out of business, because all of my subscribers on YouTube were boutique owners, I was like, well, I should just start a boutique. Like, it makes no sense for me to keep giving you guys advice. And I don't even have the business that you guys have. And it w- it made it a lot easier for me to continue to create content. So I just was like, I'm going to launch a business and see how it goes. And I'll just document the whole thing through my YouTube channel. And it just so happened to work out really well. <laughs> That's so interesting, though, that you had a YouTube channel while you were still working at your corporate job. Why? What made you start it? Honestly, so I had a YouTube channel when I was in college. Uh, I was I started college like 2008. So I think I started my first channel in like 2009. Mm. And I used to just talk about like 
fashion. I was very big into fashion because I worked in retail. I always was like job hopping, always looking for like a um, employee discount. The but, best uh, discount. Yes, yes. I love the good discount. So I was making like fashion content, like kind of like style vlogs and things like that. And then I used to like do my hair all the time. So I would do like hair tutorials or like review like hair extensions and things like that never really thinking anything of it. And literally just one random day, I was watching a video about something I think related to boutiques or like buying wholesale because my last job was like my first introduction to buying wholesale. I was looking for the answer to something and mm -hmm. I watched some girl's video and I was just reading the comments and I was like, she doesn't answer any of her comments. Like I can answer all these questions. So I'm like, mm -hmm. I'm gonna make a video. And I'm gonna like just answer questions that I know I can answer. And like my, my subscribers just kept growing like week over week from that one video. It was the strangest thing. So I started the YouTube channel for fashion and hair and it kind of like progressed into boutiques and e-commerce over time. You know, whenever you're solving a problem that people actually yeah. find to be a pain point, yes. your business just magically Every grows. Time. <laughs> Every time. And I didn't even like, I knew nothing about like business or like marketing or anything, but like, I didn't even realize I was solving a problem for someone. Mm. I just was like, oh, I'm just going to answer some questions and have a good conversation with myself on camera. And it worked out. It worked so Great. It's interesting that two of your former employers went out of business. Yeah. I'm just curious, now that you do have your business, did you take, well, first of all, did you have any insight into what caused them to go out of business? And has that influenced how you run your business today? Yes and no. So the first business that went out of uh, business was The Limited. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but mm -hmm. um, I love that job. <laughs> it was like, it felt like a big girl job, even though they all were like, retail corporations but they had started this like um like a uh what's the word like an outlet extension to the business so they had started turning full price stores into outlets so like the store that I was working at at the time in the mall became an outlet so it was like mm. the same products but like lesser quality smaller prices, things like that. And the customers did not like that because obviously they didn't vote for that. They're like, right. who made this decision? That, mm -hmm. And these are like customers who had shopped there for years, like some of them a decade long. They had like products that they loved and they always came back for like every year they're coming to get their new, their favorite suit in a new mm -hmm. color or whatever. And now you're deciding that the store closest to them is going to become something else. And you're trying the to tell them like, oh, it's quality. the same thing. It's yeah. not though. So that really like opened my eyes to like how important it is to one, hear the consumer's perspective about things and really like pay attention to what they love about your business and use that mm -hmm. to your advantage versus like, yes, you want to make decisions based off of analytics and data and all that stuff. But like at the end of the day, your job is to serve people. And they went like the wrong direction when it came to like serving their audience. It was terrible. The second job that went out of business was actually a small business. And that, that was my first introduction to entrepreneurship, even though it wasn't my business. Um, the store that I was running, I, it was my first job as a store manager. The store I was running was actually owned by a nonprofit organization. So they knew nothing about retail. They were like, we're hiring you to tell us what you think we should do. And I only knew what I knew from like selling and like being a sales assistant or like an assistant manager. I had never 
ran a store myself. So like I, they literally handed me everything. I had to make sure the bills got paid. I had to do all the hiring, the firing, the strategizing, the marketing, every single aspect of mm, I'm seeing a problem. I had to learn. <laughs> yeah, it was the craziest thing. So without me really realizing it, I was an entrepreneur. And uh, they actually went out of business due to finances. It just wasn't like moving the way that they want and be- wanted. And because it was um, owned by a nonprofit organization, they the money that they were making were, was funding, you know, city projects and things of that mm. nature. It wasn't really to pay anyone in particular, like put money right. in their pockets. So they just decided they wanted to put um, the money that they were spending on the shop into other endeavors in the city. So that one ended up closing, but it that one really like opened my eyes to entrepreneurship and like what I thought I could potentially do as a business owner. How did you then make that leap mm-hmm. into having a business of your own, an e-commerce business of your own? Yeah. So the last job, um, I want to say my boss told me that the store was going to close in like April and oh, that's when he like announced it to me, but it didn't actually close until October. So he gave me you all of that yeah. time to like, they wanted me to try to like clear out all the stuff in the store as much as possible to, you know, make some money. And mm-hmm. during that time, I just was going back and forth with myself, like, okay, I'm going to go get another job. I was filling out job applications. Literally every job was either like, you're not, you're not qualified enough for this role, or you're too qualified for this role, or we're not going to pay you. We can't pay you that amount. And it just felt like, I felt like God was saying, like, you don't need a job. Like, just you don't need a job. Sit down and figure out what you can do for yourself. My mom thought I was nuts. She was like sending me job applications every week. And I at at some point in the middle of that period of time, I was just like, you know what? I'm going to like go all in on my YouTube channel. Um, I had a lot of girls that were asking me, like, if they could hop on a call with me for like 30 minutes just to answer a question. I was like, sure, $50. And it was like $50. My goodness. Absolutely. $50 is a yes, steal. I'm like, I can't believe I ever charged $50 for all that information. But mm. long story short, um, the coaching, even though I didn't like really call it coaching at the time, was like where I was able to start making a little bit of money even before I started the business. And I started changing my um like talking points on my YouTube channel, letting people know that I was going to start an online boutique. Um, I started buying the inventory because I knew where to buy the inventory due to my previous job. And when the day came, uh, my boss actually told me that they were going to pay me for an additional month after the store closed. So I was like, okay, you have a month to like launch this thing, make some money, make enough to like pay your next month's rent and like your Mm -hmm. bills. And we'll just you know, see how it goes. And it went well. I mean, I was cutting it very, very close with the finances, very close, but it worked out. I, I I literally just like jumped off a ledge and prayed that I landed on a mattress. (laughs) (laughs) And you certainly did a big fluffy one. And that's really what I want to dive into today. It was pretty cushiony. Um, one of the things I love about you, I was telling you earlier, is how transparent you are yeah. online with your behind the scenes process. Mm-hmm. And one of the videos, even earlier on, you were doing this, you were sharing your revenue goals mm-hmm. and how you were going about doing that, yeah. you know, what things you had to do to reach those revenue goals. So yeah. I'm curious to date, what has been your highest sales day mm. and what steps did you take in order to hit that goal? Oh, that's a great question. So my highest revenue day was, this is 2023. I want to say it was 
some and sometime in November of 2021, um, I made just over $18,000 in a day. Um, and the only thing that I did like different that day was I prioritized one singular style of clothing versus like launching this like full collection of things. So I literally chose like one style. It was a um, jogger set. It's the one I'm wearing actually. Uh, it was this jogger set and I got it in like 22 colors. And I I think I made it like $29 or something like, cause I think I was, I typically sold it for like $44 made it $29 for like that day only. And I sent an email overnight, which I, I want to say that was around the first time that I actually like started to explore overnight marketing versus like daytime marketing. So I sent an email overnight and it was kind of like a secret sale, I guess you could say. Um, and then when the morning came, I sent a super early email and um, I posted really early. So like, I, I would say I changed my like thought process around marketing. Prior to that period of time, I thought that like, oh, if I send an email too late or too early, I'm going to be annoying. If I send them too many emails, I'm annoying. I can't send an overnight email. That's crazy. I was like, no, I'm going to try every single thing that I think is crazy or like not allowed. And it was an amazing sales day. <laughs> Ooh. All right. So now that we kind of know what's possible and what's yeah. been possible for your business, let's take it back for anyone who's thinking about launching their first e-commerce business. So yeah. for you, you've chosen to go with clothing. So let's talk about where did you find your inventory when you first started? Yeah. So um, I actually went to what's called a wholesale fashion trade show. Um, they happen in a few different cities across the, the country and internationally. I went to one that happens in Vegas every February and March or no February and August. I'm sorry. Um, it's called Magic. And when I was working at my previous job, that was when I learned about magic. I, I had no idea that that was like even a thing. Um, we had like a retail consultant who used to work for like a big corporation back in the day. He was like, you need to go to this big trade show. Mind you, he was telling me I needed to go for the store, but I was like, I'm going to go for my own Of course, use own that business. knowledge. So I went to this trade show and it's literally like a huge convention center filled with clothes from like manufacturers all over the country. And you get to like source products for your business. So you can, you know, see what's going to be in for the upcoming seasons. You can uh, compare prices, compare fabrics, compare styles in general. So that was the first time I made like my first purchase. And then uh, after that, I went to the fashion district, which is located in L.A., downtown LA. Um, so it's almost like if you've ever been to a, um, outdoor outlet mall, it's like that, but like with mm. wholesale clothing, I went down there and bought a little bit more for my like initial collection. And I feel like in person, cause I, I also bought some online after the fact, but I feel like buying in person makes the selection process a lot easier because it's, it removes that apprehension about like, is this going to be good quality? Is this going to mm -hmm. stretch? Is this going to be this? It's going to be that. It's like you get to test it. You can pull it off the hanger and, you know, place it over your body or whatever the case may be to really know whether or not it fits the potential needs of your customer or matches, you know, the, the idea of the direction that you're going, going in uh, for your clothing, for your business. Okay. So speaking of the needs of your customer yeah. at that point, had you yet honed in on who your customer was or were you just buying what you thought was cute? I 
thought that I had honed in on who my customer was going to be. I so when I launched, I had this. I always say like this is the worst thing that I could have ever done. Now looking back, I had like made this announcement that everything in my store was going to be forty dollars or less because I was like I want to target the girl who loves like affordability. She's like the girl who goes to TJ Maxx or like Marshalls or wherever, and you know they have cute stuff, but she's like going mm-hmm. there because she wants to get the cute stuff on a budget. But I wasn't really thinking about like profit margins and sales goals or anything like that. I I just want to make it affordable for the customer. And then like most people, I was like, oh, she's a girl like me. She's a millennial. She's this, she's that. But I started to realize like no one can serve a person like themselves in totality. So I'm like, sometimes I love getting dressed up and I love like traveling overseas. But then other times I like being a couch potato and wearing like baggy sweatpants and an oversized hoodie and not doing my hair. So I started like reeling it in and I'm like, okay, what version, if you're going to target a girl like yourself, what version of yourself are you targeting? Because you can't Mm -hmm. target all versions of yourself every single day. It's just not making sense. So no, it took a little minute before I really like, got that target audience thing down pat. Mm, so how did you get it? Oh, that's a great question. So actually, I I eventually removed myself from um, my idea of my customer. And mm-hmm. I feel like we think that choosing someone like ourselves is the easiest thing to do because obviously no one knows us better than we know ourselves. But I honestly felt like that made it harder because I like so many things and I would go and buy all these clothes and it was just like all the things that I liked. It was, it was terrible. So I actually started, once I started to make sales, I started to pay attention to who were like return buyers. So not just like a one-time customer. I wasn't like going to their Instagram and I'm like, oh, she's super cute. I love how she dresses. Like she's my ideal customer. I was like, no, who comes to my store and buys continuously? They don't ask for a discount. They buy things full price, so on and so forth. So um, ironically, my sister, one of my sisters, I have three, uh, ended up being one of those customers. All of my sisters buy from me. My cousins would buy from me here and there. And, you know, my friends around the town and stuff like that. But my sister would buy all the time, like every week. And then she would go to work and she would, and she still does. She's like my number three customer. It's the craziest wow. thing. <laughs> um, and she has her own discount code now, but because she shops so much, but she would go to work and she, and you know, the other, she's a teacher, the other um, teachers in the building would ask her like, Oh, you look so cute. You look so cozy. Like where'd you, where'd you get this outfit from? And this was even before I was selling primarily loungewear. So I was like, okay, Yes, she's my sister, but I need to look at her from a consumer perspective. So I was like, okay, she had she's a teacher. She works a, like kind of a service job. She works with kids. Um, she didn't have a child. This is the one that has the baby now. She didn't have a mm-hmm. child at the time. Um, she's in her 20s. She she was in a relationship. So I literally started thinking about my sister as a consumer and then thinking like backwards, how could I, what could I do to attract more people like her? And I started asking her questions. I started sending her pictures of products that I was like thinking about buying or maybe like I really loved it but I wasn't sure she would love it Mm -hmm. so she kind of became like an advisor 
to my business. And that honestly changed everything for me. Thinking about using a real person as my ideal customer versus like a buyer persona, you know, making that person up and writing this random person down on paper. Mm -hmm. And then you got to go out and pray that you find someone like that. It's like, no, use a person that actually exists. And it changed everything for me. Dude, that's good advice. Yeah. Actually base your target audience on someone real because then you yeah. can poll them. Exactly. And you can even do that live on social media. Hey, I'm thinking about buying this for the next collection. What do you think? And yeah. people will give you their real feedback. Exactly. So speaking of inventory, I know that's one of the hardest things I hear for boutique owners to manage. So do you have any tricks or advice or maybe common mistakes that new e-commerce shops tend to make when they're handling inventory? Yeah. So this is a mistake that I made really early on too. And, and that helps me a lot Mm -hmm. these days. We often like buy way too much up front. We buy and way too many styles up front. And not that it's like a bad thing to give your audience options, but more so from a marketing perspective, we often can't market in, in true effectiveness, a large collection of things. So Mm -hmm. I, I I look at um skims for example all the time. I love skims. Kim aside, I love skims. Um, and one thing that they do really well is they launch collections like small collections at a time. And even though there's like let's say twelve colors of it, it's like a collection of let's say five to seven products. So as a new business owner, we often go like super wide and we don't have the capability to market all of those things effectively. Mm -hmm. Um, Or we think that like we can market the four that we love the most and people will just naturally gravitate to the other ones. And they don't. You literally have to give some effort to each and every last one of them unless they coincide with each other in some way. So like if you buy a bunch of bottoms, you need tops to match those bottoms. Or if you buy dresses, you need, I don't know, a jacket or whatever to go on top Mm -hmm. of it. So a lot of times we just buy a bunch of random things that don't really correlate to one another. They don't really speak to one another. And then we struggle to market it all. And we wonder why we don't make sales. It's a marketing issue. So Mm -hmm. I guess that's an inventory and a marketing issue tied up in one. But um, yeah, we often just go way too deep into like all these because it's shopping at the end of the day. It's like, oh my God, like it's shopping. And, and we want to fill our carts. We fill our carts with all these things that we really don't have a plan for, you know, how we're going to sell it. And that's probably the most unfortunate thing that I've done and that I've seen a lot of my students do too. What about storage of the inventory? How did you manage that? So when I launched my business, um, myself and my sister, the one that is one of my best customers, we were living together at the time. We were staying in this little townhouse that had no room whatsoever. Um, both of us had like these little bitty bedrooms. I bought these like, um, these little shelving units from like Home Depot or something Mm -hmm. like that. They were tiny Mm -hmm. though. Like, and I moved my, I rearranged my closet so that I could put one of these shelves in my closet. And then I had one outside of the closet up against the only uh, bare wall that I had in the room. And I just piled the inventory there. And that also like really helped me too, because I I realized like, you don't have a warehouse. Like this is a, (laughs) this is a townhouse that you Mm -hmm. share with someone else. And we, and my sister had this like dog who they had just got and she was like all over the place. I was like, you can't have stuff everywhere. So I got these little um, shelving units. And then eventually I got like um, those little clear plastic bins and I just started stacking them up. But eventually my bedroom became a warehouse. It was insane. It was insane. So like, 
having inventory management as a new business is so hard because you can't really predict or project how much inventory you're going to need to start. And then you also can't typically predict how much inventory you're going to need 30 days from now or 60 days Mm -hmm. from now. You have no idea. So you either grow Mm -hmm. into it or you outgrow the space that you're in and you can't really predict how quickly it's going to happen. Well, I guess it's trial and error. I think you just need to start and see where you end up. But you've talked about the marketing issue Mm -hmm. as well. I'm curious, what have been your most effective ways of driving traffic to your site? Is it ads? I've seen you use text. I've seen you Mm -hmm. have an app, IG, like which combination seems to be working for you? Yeah. So I would say I've gone through seasons of different things working at the time, just based off of the size of my audience and like their relationship to my business. So right now, currently, uh, text marketing works the best. Um, It's the quickest way to get my audience on my website and to drive traffic. But that's only because I have an audience that like likes what I have to offer and are like ready and willing to spend money. They all they need to see is like raising boutique pop up on their phone. They're like, oh, okay, gotta go see because it's (laughs) gonna be gone. But like a year or two ago, I would say ads was the primary way to drive traffic. Um, I definitely learned that like a lot of people say, you know, I want consistent sales, but often they don't master having consistent traffic. So I started to realize um ads was a great way to drive consistent traffic to my business. So when I first started my business, I knew ads were valuable because like I said, at my previous job, I literally had to manage everything. And that included learning how to run ads. So I I learned how to run ads at that business. But at that time I was spending somebody else's money, not my money. So when I started my business, I was very apprehensive of what, where and what to spend my money on. Mm-hmm. So I would turn the ads on. I would turn them off because I'm like, oh my God, I spent all this money and I didn't make any. <laughs> this is crazy. Like this can't be real. But mm-hmm. I would say like a year and a half to two years into my business, I realized like you need traffic and either you're going to work tirelessly all day, every day to get the traffic that you desire, or you can let these ads run and get crafty about where you send them, send people to. So mm-hmm. I would say after I realized the ads the ads will drive consistent traffic, then came email marketing. Instead of me sending people directly to my website, I would send them to a landing page to sign up for my email list. Because if I if I needed to turn the ads off, as long as I had an email list to send messages to, I knew I would be okay. So mm-hmm. it's, like I said, it's been a season. I was like, okay, you need traffic. Okay, now you what need What was email. the incentive though for people to put their email yeah. address in when they landed there from an ad? Mm-hmm. I tested a few different things. So I the the fastest way that I've ever gotten email subscribers has been a giveaway. So show them like the best best of the best product that you have at the time and instead of putting like um instead of putting like win of whatever amount gift card or like um I would put like win whatever amount in free clothes and they're like free clothes. Oh, I want, I want free clothes. Like, especially if you show them like a little carousel of the different Mm -hmm. styles you have, whatever. So I would put like, win $150 worth of free clothes. And I would get so many people sign up because they're like free. I love free. And I'll say another thing that I learned after the fact that really helped too, to like get sales, even if they didn't necessarily win the, um, giveaway, 
I would choose the giveaway winner, but then I would like make everybody a winner. So it would say the winner of our giveaway is Brittany from Texas. And it would say, but because we're feeling generous, everybody's going to get a $10 gift card or whatever. Love it. And you know, we can't just only spend that $10. Exactly. We're going to spend exactly. more. <laughs> so I was like, okay, all these people joined your list because they wanted to win something. Only one person can win this thing, but everybody can be a winner. You just need to decide what they win. And that was an amazing lead lead magnet. Mm -hmm. um, and I find that a lot of times in e-commerce, we, you know, go immediately to a percentage off or a discount or whatever, which is fine. And it's very effective depending on what you sell. But I think it's um, a lot more valuable to test different things to see what gets you the best result or more so gets you the result that you want. Mm. So what about text marketing? What percentage would you say today of your traffic is coming from text marketing versus ads versus posting on Instagram? Ooh, so the highest percentage of my sales comes from email marketing, but the highest percentage of my traffic comes from Instagram. Um, hmm. Yes, I know. <laughs> There's a distinction. I like, I thank you for making that distinction because yeah. traffic does not yeah, equate exactly. to sales. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I, I find that, and I'm a victim of this too. Like I, we want to believe that the free platform, social media, whatever, whichever one we choose is going to be like the thing that makes our business, you know, boom. And it can make it boom, but not like in the way that we typically want, which is sales. So mm -hmm. I started to realize, okay, I need a traffic generator, but I also need to clarify what my sales generator is. So Instagram is like my platform of choice. I spend a lot of time there talking and posting and sharing, you know, what's new or what's on sale and things like that. And um, just to get the traffic to the website to begin with. And then when it comes to like my ads and my emails and things like that, all of that gets to kind of run on autopilot instead of me having to like manually do the work. So with ads, um, I get to retarget all the people who interacted with the content on Instagram, no matter what they did, commented, liked it, whatever, they get retargeted. Mm -hmm. And then if they go to my website, they also get retargeted. If they go to my website and they add to cart or they initiate a checkout, they go through the email flows and they get the abandoned cart emails and things like that. So I started realizing, okay, social media, yes, it can drive sales, but it can absolutely drive traffic. I need to figure out how to make a sale. And it's probably, I can't control social media. I started realizing that like, you know, all the times that Instagram is like falling off the face of the earth for 24 hours or whatever. I'm like, okay, we can't rely on Instagram for that. We, mm -hmm. If I need sales that day, I can't rely on Instagram for it. So love that. Instagram love that. is like my traffic driver for sure. So for anyone who's not aware, what does retargeting mean? Oh yeah. So retargeting is basically putting your brand, your products, your content back in front of an audience that has interacted with it before. So, um, you know, for example, all of us are posting on social media all day, every day. And when you go to run an ad, typically we think that we have to target a brand new audience. We get those options to, you know, choose uh, the, their interest and their location and their age and all that good stuff. But if you create your ads from the Facebook ads manager, you can build what are called custom audiences and you get to choose who you want to target, including um, people who've interacted with your brand. So people who've engaged with you on social media, people who visited your website, you can even get down to like 
They watched a specific reel. They watched that reel for three seconds. They watched 95% of that reel. Mm. So just putting your brand back in front of someone who's interacted with it before. And it's so important because, you know, in marketing, they say that, well, it used to be seven interactions. And I read a report the other day that says it can take seven to 10 interactions these days for a person to make a buying decision. So retargeting is actually one of the most important elements of marketing because we got to keep our content in front of these people because they're not going to make We're a so second decision. We're so, so distracted, distracted these days Thank that you. I might want it, but I've forgotten. So you got to remind me, you exactly. got to pop your ad back in front of me, exactly. follow me around the internet. Yeah, exactly. I know you talked about getting traffic to your website and that sometimes they may not buy. So what are the top reasons you would say people would land on a product on your page and not purchase it? Because mm-hmm. I know some of the new business owners are probably like looking at their Google analytics and mm-hmm. seeing a very high bounce rate, mm-hmm. meaning, you know, a, the percentage of people who land on your page and immediately leave. Yeah. So what are some of the reasons that people don't buy when they land on your page? Yeah. So I would say a big one is not having a product description. Um, a lot of times we think like the picture compensates for everything. They're like, you saw the picture on social and you saw the picture here. You came to the website. Obviously you want to purchase, but I find that a lot of people come to a website because they want more information about the Mm -hmm. thing that you just posted about. So not having a product description can definitely hinder. Um, I would say high shipping rates. I find that a lot of people just choose like random shipping rates, like $12, $14. I'm like, where'd you get Mm. this number from? Um, So really high shipping rates. A slow website speed can definitely impact someone coming and leaving very fast. Um, An unorganized website, making it really hard for them to like find the thing that you just sent them a message about. It's like you just sent me an email or you just posted about this thing. Where is it? it? Why is it on page seven of the new Or the link you sent them wasn't directly to the item. It was to your homepage. Exactly. People are, (laughs) and like we were just saying, people are, they're, they're, they don't want to waste any time. They have short attention spans. They are not going on your website to look for anything. They're like, show it to me right now. Mm -hmm. So those are like really big ones. Um, Yeah, those are like the primary ones that I can think of that like, I I mean, even on my website in the past, I've seen be, oh, a big one that really hindered me in the beginning was not having a return policy. So uh, especially when it comes to clothing, because, you know, as women, we don't know how anything's going to fit online. Mm -hmm. Women have curves and all that stuff. So not being buying a product and then not knowing that you can like one, either return it to get another size or return it and get a store credit or whatever. Definitely a big hindrance. I I literally used to see people, um, there was like a report on my website that would show me keywords that people were typing in on my website and the word return kept popping up. And I was like, oh, people are looking for a return policy. Mm-hmm. And at the time, my return policy, what it literally said, no refunds, no returns, no this, no that. I was like, uh-uh, I'm a small struggling business. I just started. I can't afford to give anybody. But I don't know if you're trying to scam me. I need to yes. know because I may not return it because exactly. people, some people don't return. They just want to know that they can. Exactly. Exactly. And, and I also had to tell myself, if you feel 
confident that you made the right decision about the product and the, that you targeted the right people, then you mm. shouldn't have to worry about whether or not somebody's going to return this. They're, you yeah. should have it made up in your mind that they are not going to return it because they're going to love it so much. So it just showed me that I didn't have as much confidence as I needed as um as a business owner when I first started because I was like, I cannot afford to give anybody their money back. <laughs> So I love that because I'm sure there are people out here thinking the Definitely. same thing, 100%. whereas it's hindering people from even clicking by to begin with because yes. they can't return. Exactly. So I'm glad you're, you are being vigilant about the keywords. What part is SEO playing in driving traffic to your site? So I know sometimes you need a great product description yeah. because it has those keywords in it. Mm -hmm. But are you also putting a blog out there because yeah. it's helping the SEO side of your business? Yeah. So um, I don't think it was last year. I want to say 2021. I actually invested in a um, SEO service because I started to see in my analytics that I was getting organic traffic from um, mm -hmm. uh, search engines, but it wasn't a lot. And there was the part of me that was like, oh, well, that's nice. Like, that's cool. They'll come if they come. But then I was like, but also you could probably do something to increase this or improve this. So I actually booked a session with um, an SEO strategist. And one of the things that she recommended to me was, was it Charlene. Yes, was Charlene. It Charlene. Yes. Uh -huh. So Charlene's been on the show as well. So no, I'll also Charlene. link her episode. Yep. Yes. Mm -hmm. So Charlene uh, worked with me for, I want to say three months and we, um, we updated pretty much all of my product descriptions for like my bestsellers and the products that people look at a lot. We updated the collections and the descriptions for the collection pages. One thing that Charlene taught me was that my, your collection pages will rank higher in search results than your product pages will. So that I was not really thinking about the collections themselves. I would just title them like new arrivals, but she's like, no, you need to put like new arrivals, women's loungewear for whatever season, like be specific about what they were. And then also she did make me um, add blogs to my website. And ironically, there is one blog on my website that we added during that time that sends so much traffic to my website every single month. Um, it's so funny to me. It's literally like, I want to say like 10 ways to style joggers. And one of the like ways to style joggers in there is like with boots and booties. So the actual like keyword or keyword phrase that's like sending traffic to my website is how to style joggers with boots. And I'm like, I would never wear joggers with boots, but apparently somebody, a lot of somebodies are. Yes. So many people, I mean, like hundreds of people are Googling it and coming to my website to read the, that blog post. So blogging has actually played a huge part in increasing my um, my traffic coming from uh, search engines. Just to kind of round things out, I know a lot of people kind of look down on e-commerce and selling clothing in particular because they feel like the margins are too small to yeah. really make it worth it to really have them make an income. Mm -hmm. And I think for your case in particular, you also have a course yeah. teaching people how to start an e-commerce site. Mm -hmm. So first what do the margins look like? What kind of margins can we look forward to? Mm -hmm. And then when you look at the makeup of your revenue or let's let's take it down to makeup of your profit, yeah. what percentage of that is coming from your course versus your e-commerce site? Mm, so courses definitely have a significantly higher profit margin because there's not as big of overhead. Um, mm -hmm. It's like a course platform that you pay for and, you know, processing fees and things like that. And that's it. But with um, e-commerce, especially when you're housing inventory, you're paying for the actual inventory. Mm. You're paying for the shipping to get it to you. So many different the, the staff, if you know, you got into that point where you're needing help to fulfill the orders. So 
I would say my typical gross, no net profit margin for um, e-commerce is like in a good month, I would say like 25% in a not so great month, probably like 15%. But in a, um, in the course and coaching business, I would say in a great month, my uh, profit margin could be like 80%. Um, in a not so great month, it might be like 60%. So definitely a huge difference in the two. And I would say for e-commerce, it it definitely takes some like, get an accountant. <laughs> I would definitely mm-hmm. say that. Get an accountant as early as possible. That was one of the things that I neglected to get very early because I was scared. I was like, oh my God, somebody's going to be looking at my money. They're going to steal it. What? And I wasn't even making that much, but get an accountant. It was one of the most valuable things that I could have could have done as an e-commerce business because they are going to help you to look at your spending in a way that you don't typically know how to look at it. I had no perception of fixed expenses versus variable expenses. None of I just knew I need inventory and I need it now. It was mm-hmm. bad. And um in all honesty, I feel like in e-commerce, we get so stuck on the revenue. We're like, oh my God, let me, I need to share. I want to be able to share my Shopify screenshot that says I made X amount of dollars. But Mm -hmm. I started to realize like that really doesn't matter because I need to know what's going to be in my bank account at the end of this month. So Mm -hmm. now I really don't care as much to be able to say like, oh, I made six figures in a month. If I only, if I end the month with $3,000, I'd rather make $30,000 in a month and say that I kept 10 of it. Like that's going to feel amazing. So yeah, to answer your question, I know that was long-winded, but no, no. And that gave us exactly the perspective we need. Yeah. Yeah. So just to round this out, I would love for you rapid fire to give us some of the tools that you are using right now, because that can be a part of the fixed costs that we have to face as new e-commerce builders. Uh, So when it comes to your texting platform, what are you using? I'm currently using Attentive. Your actual e-commerce store, what is it built on? Shopify. What about your app? How did you put that together? My app is built through a company called Tapcart, which integrates with Shopify. Your actual payments, how are those coming in? So most of them come through Shopify payments because Shopify has their own payment gateway, but uh, second to that would be Afterpay, and third to that would be PayPal. What about email marketing? Clavio. So I think that should get people started as Definitely. far as what they need to be using. For sure. Well, Jans, do you have any parting advice for new e-commerce business owners that are looking to follow in your footsteps? Honestly, I feel like this season, my words of advice are to take your time and plan mm. it out because e-commerce is like a huge thing now. The pandemic like made it even bigger than we probably ever imagined that it would be. And it's saturated at this point, but I don't, I don't believe in things being oversaturated. I just feel like if you're going to enter into an industry that is saturated, you want to enter into it with a plan. So Mm. take your time. Don't rush it. The money will be there. It's not, it's not going anywhere. It's going to keep cycling and just, you know, have fun. Don't, don't, don't stress yourself about things that don't make sense to you just yet, but prioritize learning and investing in your education. That's really important. And don't neglect the, uh, the consumer at the end of the day, because your job is to serve people. So don't forget that no matter what you choose to do, the person that you want to serve is the person that you need to keep top of mind at all times. 
I love that. So for anyone who wants to follow your journey, shop with you, take a class from you, where can we find you? Yeah. So you guys can find me in a multitude of places, but the easiest way to find me is going to be on Instagram because you can just click the link in my bio and go to my online boutique, which is shop brazen boutique on Instagram or follow the boutique Academy, which is exactly how it sounds at the boutique Academy on Insta as well. Well, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge with us today, Jans. Thank you for having me. I so enjoyed this. Hi, Offscripters. I'm so glad you made it to the end of this episode. If you found this show helpful, please pay it forward by sharing us with your network and leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Between episodes, you can find us on Instagram. Our handle is at She's Offscript. Or you can catch up on past episodes at She'sOffscript.com. All right, with that, we'll see you right back here next Thursday for another episode. Bye.